Spotlight, everybody. This is the podcast for people who might be new to Star Trek, might be wanting to revisit it. We're going to go around the table now and just use ourselves and give us a little bit of background about our personal experience of Star Trek. I'm going to start with Mr. Liam Dempsey over here on the left. Hello, as Paul Wilson just said, my name's Liam Dempsey. Just like everyone here, I don't think you could really describe me as a Trekkie. But first of all, I think we should introduce the other member of this podcast. He's sitting to my left. It's Matt Brothers. Thank you, Liam. Yeah, I'm Matt Brothers, and yeah, here I am. What what am I doing here? It's a Star Trek podcast. I never thought I'd be on such a thing, but here we go. There's good days and bad days when it comes to the Star Trek movies, and as we will find out as we journey through a 13-film mission to find out, can somebody who's never been interested in Star Trek become a Trekkie? Because I think the great thing about the movies is, I don't think you need a great knowledge of Star Trek. They're designed to not only appeal to the fans, but to a wider audience. They were a big event when they came out. Um, you know, they weren't cult films, really. They, they were big blockbusters. For now, today, we're going right back to the beginning. Not the beginning of yeah. Star Trek, but the beginning <laughs> of the Star Trek film franchise, because that's the only Star Trek we're interested in here. Yeah, uh, there is back. no comparison. <laughs> the human there, adventure there is, no is just comparison. Is it, is it really arrogant of a film to call itself literally the motion picture? Well, is like, it really arrogant of a film to have the tagline, there is no comparison, <laughs> which was the tagline to Star Trek, the motion the picture. Comparison the comparison yeah. is it? It really built, bigged itself up well, in, the, the in the previous oh, the yeah. Well, yeah, the trailer had Orson Welles' narration. Um, yeah, who goes, like, your Kirk, Spock, your horror. And they all together on the Starship Enterprise. And he will just do this big, booming voice, Star Trek, the motion picture. so beautiful that it kind of propels that whole sequence along so well it's romantic because the thing yeah Kirk's in love with the ship yes the love story of the film Mm. is Kirk and the Enterprise that is the real love story and the real romance it's like he turns around and says they gave her back to his sky Mm. and that is it. I mean, later on, he's acting like a jealous boyfriend to Decker, isn't he? The yeah. bloke who's yeah. now running the ship. Who acts completely reasonably the entire way through the film, <laughs> yeah. I must say. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 It's funny, like, I had no idea coming in that, you know, my knowledge was Kirk's the captain. So this whole thing of him not being here, I was like, oh, this is yeah. an interesting way to kind of maybe follow It's, it's getting the, the band back together. Yeah. Like, and, he, yes. and he's get back with the Enterprise.
is a long answer to your question. Uh, I was looking for a director and I'd drawn up a list of about 30 or 30 plus directors. And we were facing an impending Directors Guild strike here in the United States. Uh, but nonetheless, I had a list of some of which were American and some of whom were British because I loved a lot of the work that the, the Brits were doing, you, you fellows were doing. Uh, oh, thank, thank you. We were, of course, responsible. <laughs> true, I mean, truly. And as it turned out, I would approach people, and either they didn't want to do Star Trek, they didn't want to do a sequel, they didn't want to do science fiction, or they weren't available. And I couldn't believe it. I, I, was, I was panicked. And my assistant, Deborah Arakelian, suggested Nick Meyer. And I knew of his work. I knew the 7% Solution, and I knew that with the film, I believe he directed was Time After Time, if I'm right. Yeah. And uh, I contacted him. I sent him a script. I went and met with him. And I thought, this guy gets it. Because I said to him, Nick, this is a space opera. And he said, I got it. And we talked at great length. And so then I went to Harv, and I told him, okay, I found, this, I found this director, and I think he'd be perfect. So he said, well, I want to meet him. So we went over to Nick's house, and when we came out of the meeting, we were walking towards our car. Harf turned to me and he said, uh, I don't think we should use him. And I said, what? why? He said, he's going to be trouble. And I said, uh, I can handle it. Anyway, we had a disagreement about that. And then, of course, once Nick was aboard, and Nick did his unaccredited total rewrite, which saved the script, saved the film, uh, and made it into what it is. Uh, of course, then Harv became a huge fan. <laughs> that was just the beginning. As time went on, uh, it was one of those situations where uh, I did all the work and uh, Harv wanted to take all the meetings. And I deeply resented that. Uh, I produced the film and Harv fumbled around with the script until Nick came aboard. And otherwise, he was, he was off doing A Woman Called Golda and the television series about Matthew Starr. It sounds like you were very much on the ground floor yeah. making things happen. Well, in every way, because much of the work was done before Nick ever came aboard, before we had any director. Uh, so as a director, I hired all the crew. I approved uh, the selection of the designs. The product. We, were, we were designing sets, and I was doing all of that, and I was conceptualizing all the, all the visual effects along with Mike Miner. You know, I was putting the whole production together and doing the budget. I was on the set every day with the exception of the days when I had to go up to ILM, where I would review the work once a week. And I devised a system in working with them that they had not done before. Uh, and then again, this came out of my commercial background. Knowing how visual effects can spin out of control or the costs thereof, mm -hmm. uh, based on past their past previous experiments, previous experience, and knowing the, the kinds of constraints that I can bring to bear based on my commercial experience, I devised a form, and the form literally laid out, and it had to be submitted once a week from ILM to me, and it laid out the shots we were going to do, the shots they were working on, the status of each shot, and where we stood on the budget. So every week we had discussions. And I kept, I kept such a tight hold on that, that if we dropped a shot, for example, which we sometimes did, but I added something else, I'd say, okay, we've dropped this one, that saves me $8,000. How much is this one gonna cost? And we would negotiate back and forth. That's why my original visual effects budget was $3 million. And that's what it cost. I never took the Kobayashi Maru test. 
my solution. Spock. In Wrath of Khan, we see the death of Spock, but obviously he returned for Search of Spock. Is it true that Leonard Nimoy wanted to leave the franchise and then because of his experience on Wrath of Khan, changed his mind and was like, actually, I'm going to stay on? Yes. The true story uh, behind all this, no matter what you read, uh, because I was there in the room, was that Leonard didn't want to do any more Star Trek. Now, whether that was a negotiating ploy on his part, because aside from being a fine actor, Leonard is an ext- was an extremely intelligent man. So he declined. He didn't want to do it. And it was then, it was Harv's idea, who said, well, why don't we kill him off? And he approached Leonard with it. We frankly both did. We had lunch. I was, as I recall, we had lunch with Leonard. And uh, Leonard said, hmm, okay, I, I, I can get behind that. The, the line was, Leonard didn't want to put the ears on again. That's what he told me. <laughs> he didn't want to, he was tired of putting on the ears. That's what he said. So we agreed that uh, we're going to come off. Well, uh, despite our security, or what we thought passed for security and numbered scripts and all that sort of stuff. Of course, you know, eventually the word got out. And that's a whole other story I don't even want to address. So the furor was so great over this that I received I received a uh, telephone call from um, an unknown voice on my answering machine at my home. And the voice said, if you kill Spock, we're going to kill you. And I had to have enhanced security today. (laughs) (laughs) I had to have enhanced security around my home because I had two two little children. And I thought, you know, some of these people want to get their acts together. I mean, this is a little extreme. Well, anyway, so it went on like that. And the, uh, the, the ultimate idea was, well, and I think I suggested this. I said, look. This is science fiction in many ways. In science fiction, we can do anything. So why don't we intimate that there's a possibility that he could come back? And Harv sold that idea, and I sold the idea. Then I designed that last, uh, I storyboarded myself, that last sequence on the Genesis planet. And then I went up to ILM and had them put together my crew and then I directed the the thing in Golden Gate Park and we added uh, we wrapped trees with vines and we put in extra plants and I wanted the I wanted the smoke machine and then the, and the fans and all that, that whole thing so that was great fun actually how soon after rap did Leonard change his mind was it like at that point or did he have to see the film first and be like you know what I'm, I'm down to come back already because I mean Search for Spot came out only two years later didn't it so it was quite a quick turnaround for the next one well that's because we were so successful with this one uh, that the studio said to get going uh, you know I, I, I think Leonard was very he was very happy going into the film because he felt that you know he was getting what he wanted and so on and then when the furor arose uh, he did 180. Uh, he didn't. I guess he did. He wasn't aware, or, or he didn't anticipate the uh, the uh, the kind of negative press mm-hmm. and negative response from the fans that this would engender. And um, I think he I think he changed his tune, but really changed his tune once they began to see what we were shooting and how it was turning out. And then, as I say, at, at the end. 
he was he was on board for as many as we wanted to do. Well, like I've got quite a personal relationship with this film because it was the first one I ever saw, and it was actually almost the first introduction to Star Trek I actually uh, experienced, and it kind of what started me to sort of enjoy the show and uh, and the rest of it. But I think it's I think one of the main things was it was scary as a child watching this film. I remember the eels uh, and the well the earworms being particularly for a young lad like quite terrifying. And I think that you also hand in that design. Uh, yes. Uh... What happened there was the script, the, as we had it, uh, originally called for a, some sort of a creature to attach itself to the neck of Chekhov. And uh, I said, guys, I said, this is, this is the trouble with tribbles. I mean, it's straight out of a, a TV show. You've done this before. And they said, they looked at me and they said, well, you know, you're, okay, you're such a smart guy. You figure it out. <laughs> and literally. So I said, okay, I will. So the next morning, I went out to collect my morning newspaper, and I'm walking out the, my front door and along the pathway, and there crawling across was a slug. And I, and I hate those things. They're just so slimy and just, uh, you know. And I, I looked at it, and I said, hmm. I thought to myself, what if a miniature, what if a baby would go into the ear? I don't know where this came from, but that's, this is the true story. Would climb into the ear, and then when it grew, it had attached itself to the cerebral cortex. It would, and I went on and on and on. So I came back to the studio, and I called up our technical advisor at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, and I said, "Is this feasible?" And he said, "Absolutely." He said, "There's a thing called the earwig," and I said, "Okay." So we stretched it a bit. I then went up to ILM and sat down with Ken Ralston, who was one of my two supervisors up there, and did about, I don't know, 12 or 13 drawings of different, and we decided it would be a mother who would be the host, and the babies <laughs> would be the initial insertees. So that's what we did. And I have to tell you, it was more fun, not only conceiving of it, but rendering it and bringing it on the screen. And I loved sitting in the theaters with, I remember people cringing. I remember the couple sitting next to me, a woman burying her face in her hands, <laughs> saying, oh, that's the grossest thing I have ever seen. And I did an air pump and I said, yes, this is exactly, <laughs> exactly, this the is response. exactly what I'd hoped for. It was too hot so, for the yeah. British censors even, like uh, they had to cut some of that back. I think, I think in the cinema it was a little bit, they trimmed a little bit of that stuff, but we, we, we all grew up on the uncut version, so we, we know the full effect of the eels. Yeah, well, it was 15 certificate over here, Bob, and like that's the oh, highest rated Star Trek. Oh, oh, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that. Well, interesting. Uh, <laughs> no, because no, the version we did, of course, I milked it for all it was worth. <laughs> yeah, so to young kids in the video shop, your film was the cool Star Trek film because it was the high rating. I've never told you how Admiral Kirk sent 70 of us into exile on this barren sand heap with only the contents of these cargo bays to sustain us. You lie! In City Alpha 5 there was life! A fair chance! Is this City Alpha 5? I mean, I enjoyed watching Space Seed beforehand and then watching Rough Khan this time round. Mm. Just because it added another little layer to the enjoyment. Um, find, but you don't need I, it. But I, I also find the end of Space Seed kind of weird that like, they have this really kind of like um, civil trial for Khan. Oh, yeah, and they and just have like, a sit down. Yeah, and he accepts the vote. He's like, oh, 
that is fair. And I was like, I do not expect. I'm going to be super God, angry. Soon. I know. Well, it seems like a leap from that where he's going, oh, fine, cheers, Kirk, to like, I hate you. Well, I think this is the thing. He, you, I mean, there are rumours that Nicholas Meyer is doing a Khan prequel. Like what uh, now? Yes. Like this is this is like a news recently that Ka- that Nicholas Meyer's like being touted to kind of do a, a mini series, all set about Khan's like life on Seti Alpha. Five? This is the other five! Uh, yeah. And sort of see how he got that twisted from the episode where he is like denounced and like sent there. He's like totally fine with being ruined to the point where he's like, I will kill you, Kirk. That sounds like unnecessary backstory because, like you say, it works 100%. in the film. 100%. And this, I'm. Nick, if you listen to this, don't do it. Your masterpiece, Raffle Khan, does not need any further explanation whatsoever. This is just. Bullshit filling in the blanks. Don't alien covenant it, you know, it doesn't. It... What can the extra money buy you? Can you live any better than you live right now? Can you buy a better steak than you can afford at this point in time? I don't think so. I think you've got the money there with all the residuals from Rafa Khan, Voyage Home, and Discover Country, and the. And he's working on Discovery. Discovery yeah. as well. You can live a very happy life. You don't need to do this. So look in the mirror and don't do it. <laughs> all that they've loved. All that they've fought for, all that they've stood for, will now be put to the test. Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. The word, sir? The word? Is no. I am therefore going anyway. You do this, you'll never sit in the captain's chair again. Engage auto systems. Clear all moorings. Cleared, sir. One quarter impulse power. Someone is stealing the Enterprise. Warp speed. Right. First things first, Matt Brothers, the Star Trek novice, give us your thoughts on Search for Spock. Initial thoughts, please. Initial thoughts. I did not like this movie. I thought... What? <laughs> I thought it was a complete waste of time. Waste of yeah. time? <laughs> you you yeah. do realise you're talking about a film directed by a man who is now dead. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, you may as well be spitting on the grave not of even, Leonard yeah, Not even death. Not even in a kind of like, you know, post Nimoy passing away sort of. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're but like, this is tarnished his memory forever. <laughs> oh my god! Do you trust me? Implicitly. Large mushroom pepperoni with extra onions and a Michelob, please. Great choice. And you, sir? Like that too. Thank you. Also, we need to talk about the date. Yes. What well, is it, Dave? Is it a well, You know, it goes like a date, doesn't it? You know? Yeah, is I it, think I mean, it does. Kirk is really trying to punch on. Um, He's definitely trying it on. Around a lot of my early dates, where you know I would lean across the table and say, "Do you trust me?" Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, they soon I, regret it. I mean, you know, Adam doesn't know this yet, but this is the first. Well, for this is our first meeting, so this is essentially our first yeah, date. Yeah. Uh, how do you think it's going so far? Pretty well. Do you trust me? Yeah. <laughs> Implicitly. <laughs> good, good to know. Good to know. <laughs> but what I want to know is, how does a nice girl like you get to be a marine biologist? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, uh, I, that felt that for Kirk, a man from what is he in the twenty fourth century? Yeah. Or so like, he's just like trying, he's like read some literature the period and it's just like oh how do we talk to women oh yeah talk down to them perhaps you watch Moonraker with Roger Moore <laughs> I was going to say that it manages to not be quite as bad as Roger, late Roger Moore Bond in like the age difference thing and I think it's played quite well in that she clearly doesn't think it's a date 
date. She's yeah. just meeting him for dinner, but like he's, yeah. he's putting on the Shatner charm. Yeah, but, she, but she's not really having any of it. And she really, you know, I don't know if she does realise he's doing a little bit because she kind of like runs to hug him with the transport, but again, it's just to get on board. She's just yeah, like, silly and old man. Yeah, you know, where she's like, you know, oh, um, I'll call you. Yeah, no. she's like, oh, I've got a posting on another ship. I guess I'll see you later. And he's like, <laughs> oh, how will I? How will well, I, 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 I have no intention like, of yeah. seeing you again. But the uh, date, we've actually uh, got something wrong. Yeah, this, uh, this spotlight date of ours, we have some California lager here from San Francisco. Well, we try to source Michelob. Which is what they're drinking in, in the film. film. I, I, you know, I googled it whilst I was still watching it to try, like, is this going to be possible? Is it, is it still made? Is it? It is still made. It's the, they got it Bud Light, so you'd think it would be available, but it just doesn't come over here. Yeah. 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 But instead, we replaced it with basically Michelob is a pale lager, so obviously we wanted to get something comparative, and because the film is set in San Francisco, got hold of ourselves, as you say, the California lager anchor, which is brewed and bottled by Anchor Brewing Company. Uh, Very nice it is too. 1705 Mariposa Street, San Francisco, California, USA. It's quite smooth. Uh, but they also have a very fine meal, and yeah, I'm feeling rather that. peckish right now, I've got to say. <laughs> well, we're going to give a call to a local pizza joint and try and get the exact pizza. Are you going to attempt a Shatner voice? Uh, I think you should. <laughs> <laughs> For the, uh... Sorry, I didn't want to put you on the spot there, but yeah. Well, so we're going to see if we can get ourselves a custom job. Hello? Hello, I'd like to order a pizza, please. Uh, sorry, unfortunately, we broke the oven. And the <laughs> oh, well, that's very unfortunate. Oh, yeah. So, no pizzas today. We cut up it, the pizza's coming! Oh. If the oven was working, would we be would we, would we have been able to put in an order for a custom pizza? So you know, <laughs> can, can we go off menu a little bit? Today, no. I know, I know today, I know today, not today. Scotty, but... you've got to cook faster than that. Yeah, but just like, um, would I be able to do mushrooms, pepperoni, extra onions, like on another day? For another day, man. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Well, you'll be hearing from me for sure. All right. Well, I hope you haven't fixed seeing them. Right, pizza Bye. it is. Bye. Oh, there you go. That was a that was a great. Oh. <laughs> the, the shields are down. Oh, <laughs> cutting room floor. I think. Right. Okay. Well, yeah, that's fate. Right there. To be honest. Uh, so you couldn't get the Michelin. We couldn't get the pizza. <laughs> yeah, it's a complete disaster. Our first fiend food. Yeah. You know what we need to do. Mm. Get back to 1986. <laughs> Probably be a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, 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 completely. Come and get it! Come and get it! Bones, bones, knock it off! We're right here, and we're starving. Bipodal seeds, Doctor? Beans, Spock, but no ordinary beans. These are from an old southern recipe handed down to me by my father. And if you stick your Vulcan nose up at these, you're not only insulting me, but generations of McCoys. In that case, I have little choice but to sample your beans. Good evening, listeners. You're coming to us now around the campfire in beautiful Yosemite National Park. Actually, you're not. You're in Hove. It is winter. We're not doing it outside because the cable wasn't long enough. But we it's are very all... cold. Yeah, it's <laughs> very cold outside. And we are going to be sampling... Dr. McCoy's beans recipe for well, the film. Well, Matt's, Matt's already started. I'm already in now. I'm yeah, you were very hungry. Not yeah. eating all day. Because, of course, you know, if you don't enjoy these brothers, you're not just offending me, but... 
generations of McCoys. <laughs> it's very nice. <laughs> and this is from the official Star Trek cookbook. It is, right? Well. You can find it. Oh, it is. You haven't right. just made it as a. Thing no, no, no. This was like, mm. yeah, because in the film, we mm. get mm. beans and there's alcohol in it. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's the secret. Stick it in a cookbook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which. I'm not giving away the surprise there. No. And the secret ingredient in the film, I believe, is Jack Daniels because they get thanks in the credits. No? Uh, yeah, they do. Yeah, uh, they do. They say it's Tennessee, uh, Tennessee whiskey. Um, but they, Jack Daniels get a thanks in the credits, so you kind of assume it is probably Jack Daniels. Yeah, well, I had a smidgen of Jack Daniels to use up, and that's in the beans. But for our drink tonight, which if we gonna have a little sip, it's gonna be Maker's Mark. Well, yeah, we've got a far finer whiskey than uh, Jack Daniels for us. Maybe they don't want to imply that Jack Daniels are still going in the. 23rd century or wherever it is. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'd just like to uh, congratulate Paul on McCoy's beans. I was not hopeful, in fact. I've no. been a slow cooker since this morning and I was... They're really they good. They turned out pretty I good. I am going to... I need that recipe. I'm going to watch Star Trek V yeah. again with those beans. Actually, I might even set up for TV in my back garden so I can have a campfire. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I, way to it. What is available in the official Star Trek cookbook, I believe, uh, which it's got a character from who's the character on Neelix. the front row? Neelix from Voyager. Right. Um, so we will post a link to the to the recipe on the yes. Twitter page and on Facebook. Um, Until next time, what I would like is for all of the Spotlight crew and uh, our guest Greg to join me in a drink of Maker's Mark and perhaps a sing-along around the campfire. Um, you know, so perhaps if <laughs> I... Moon or Rigel 7, I really want to know the words to that. So perhaps if I launch Are we going it, to do it in a round? If I... Uh, look, well, if I launch us off and then perhaps you all join in... Row, row, row your boat Gently down the stream Merrily, merrily, Life is but a dream. Merrily, 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 gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 gently down the stream. Poor old Chatner. Unfortunately, after this, his directing career did stumble somewhat. He, he has done directed two other films since. I'm just going to read this small little passage from Captain Zog, which was released in 1989 uh, for the release of the film. So when he wrote this book... So did um, I already know it was going to be a failure? No. With Elizabeth Shatner, he, he believed this was going to be, you know, a, a success. Uh, there was um, a test screening... Uh, which didn't go down very well, which he references in here. But then they did some edits, and they had a second test screen, which, which did go down. Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Star Trek Five with the advertising didn't have a um, tagline something like "This film is for reason. Cinema seats will need seatbelts." No, it's like no, no, yeah. The reason why we're installing seatbelts in cinemas this summer to keep people in their seats. <laughs> but in retrospect, feel a little sorry for Shatner, considering how things turned out. When he says, so to me, Star Trek V is going to be the ultimate thrill. The moment in my career which I have been preparing all my life. I see everything I've done as a preparation for this moment. An opportunity like Star Trek V may not come again. It is the quintessential me. Aww. 
Each man hides a secret pain. It must be exposed and reckoned with. It must be dragged from the darkness and forced into the light. Share your pain. Share your pain with me. And gain strength from the sharing. Well, I've been watching Sonic 5 over the years, and I think I've picked up a few things from Cyborg. Oh, really? Yes, I believe his technique for bringing closure to a lot of people runs quite deep. And I feel like there's something in that. I've been practicing, and I practiced on you beforehand, Liam, and I know I've yes. used you of your pain. You, you did, yes. So, Matt, yes. Like, I, uh -huh. I'm now ready for the final frontier. Okay. I, I couldn't help but notice your pain. <laughs> it's etched on my face. Yeah, I, I couldn't help you release this pain. We could confront it together. Okay. Together, Matt. <laughs> okay. Your pain runs deep. Each man hides a secret pain. What can I see? I can hear a heartbeat. Can you see your heartbeat? I, I see it. Liam, you can see it. I, I, see, I see an ape. What do you see, Liam? I can, I, I can see a, an ape. He looks almost made of what I would call computer pixels. Yeah, who, who's that with him? It's a little guy. It's a little ape with a red hat. It's a little, yeah, a little guy with a red hat. A little ape? Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can see some something getting erased. What, what? <laughs> Matt, I think we're close to it. What this is? Share your pain. Share your pain with me. I think what Paul's trying to say is he's trying to atone for erasing my Donkey Kong Country file on my SES game about 15 years ago. If I recall, it's because you tried to input the extra lives code by spelling out barrel, but when you press the last button, it just <laughs> deleted the game instead. If I recall, you've been thinking yes. about this every night this for the last 20 years. your soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for 15 years, you've held this inside you. But let's, not, let's not point fingers, by the way. Well, like, who was to blame? You're it's definitely you. <laughs> well, I can see. How do you feel now? Okay, well, I, I've always felt a little better because around the same time, so this would have been when I was around 11 or 12, when I first kind of knew you, this is your first strike, but around, around the same time, I borrowed Super Mario All Stars off of a neighbour and I accidentally tripped over the cable and erased all his games, which had up to World's 8 on all the Mario games. So I did it to someone, you did it to me. At the time, it was by <laughs> I'm glad we've managed to free you of this pain. Yeah. <laughs> you look ten years young. It's never left. <laughs> if um, anybody out there has a friend like Paul who erases your old uh, video game files, uh, let us know. Yeah, yeah please get the pain. The yeah, pain. please. Yeah, if you if you have any secret pain, <laughs> listeners, yeah, just please write in. Yeah, we we can help you free you of that. But the cyber method is proven. We just heard it. Exactly. Oh, you know, I think that could be another kind of you know job for us. We yeah. could become prophets uh, like cyber. The school of leads you to the promised land of a malevolent alien who tries to kill you by beams. <laughs> for one quarter of a century, they have thrilled us with their adventures, amazed us with their discoveries, and inspired us with their courage. Their ship has journeyed beyond imagination. Her name has become legend. Her crew, the finest ever assembled. We have traveled beside them from one corner of the galaxy to the other. They have been our guides, our protectors, and our friends. Now you are invited to join them for one last adventure. For at the end of history lies the undiscovered country.
Trek 6, the undiscovered country. This is the second Star Trek film directed by Nicholas Meyer, who previously directed Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, uh, which we discussed a couple of months ago, and we all really enjoyed, I believe. Mm-hmm. Now, at the end of the episode, Matt put forward the question of whether there were any hipster Trekkies out there who actually didn't like Wrath of Khan, the thought it was overrated, or something like that. And I think me and Paul quite dismissive of this we were like no way like Khan is a classic no but since then this is on the Trek BBS yeah yeah, there's a big Star Trek forum called Trek BBS and I posed the question to them I thought who better to ask Uh, like you know said look my friend on the podcast thinks this could it be true people answered in their jokes and (laughs) actually it's funny quite related to today's podcast being that obviously Rothcon was also directed by Maya uh, so, Feek61 says of Roth Khan, I think it's a good movie, but yes, overrated, certainly. Uh, Severu says, lots of Trek fans at the time... Doesn't care to elaborate, though. <laughs> yeah, no, lots of Trek fans at the time didn't consider Roth Khan to be the true Star Trek. All about violence and space battles and revenge. Lots of continuity errors, and killing Spock was just complete disrespect Well, that's the funny thing, I just find Star Trek not true to Roth Khan. <laughs> you prefer Rob yeah, the Gods that's, my, that's my starting point so like everything's like there's not enough revenge it was sentimental though, isn't yeah. It? <laughs> yeah yeah uh, funny enough related to today Alan Satmai Buick one people have odd names on Trek BBS uh, Rob Khan is a great movie but my favourite movie the original cast is The Undiscovered Country yeah, The yeah. Undiscovered Country was a great allegory to the events of the day that was in the finest Edition of the original series. Yeah. Smellmet says, I reckon I've seen the Rothacon close to 200 times. Oh my God. Overrated. Not a chance. <laughs> uh, Thomas <laughs> Elliott says, I'll be the hipster that thinks the motion picture was awesome. Oh, wow. The Roth of Khan is fun for some reasons. Savic, way better uniforms, some action. The connections to the original some series action. with this villain from way back coming for revenge. The Kobayashi Maru test that, no, the Roth of Khan is still better. <laughs> At least he gave some reasons. Yeah, so yeah. he actually does, in the end, prefer off a card. Um, Bill J prefers motion picture and search for Spock over oh, off card. No. <laughs> Alan Gibson, Roth of Khan and Search Spock were certainly considered to be on par with one another at the time. Wait, Khan and really? Spock. Yeah, yeah, Khan and Spock. Um, I'm not sure yeah. where the fan consensus that it was one of the lesser films, talking about Search Spock, developed. Um, that Now, you might remember this, Max, you're a fan of the show as well as me. The Seinfeld episode with Kramer's love for Star Trek 3 was a bit baffling to me as I saw nothing wrong with loving it. it do you remember, remember this episode of Seinfeld? No, not at all. Like, I think we're going to have to track it down. Because like, uh, obviously Kramer is a very wacky character, so if he loves Star Trek 3, saying, yeah, it would have been like, a joke. If someone like Kramer likes it, what a crazy guy it's liking a ridiculous it. movie. Um, Baylox Decoy says, For years, Rafa Khan was my favourite film, period. But as I've gotten older... I'm much more declined to today's movie, The Undiscovered Country. I think it's smarter, a more challenging movie. Trek Survivor says, 
I guess I must be a hipster. I think you've annoyed people with your idea of hipster, Matt. Because uh, I have always felt Wrath of Khan was a little overrated. It's a good enough film. But I find some of the adulation from fans and ignoring its problems while gleefully reveling in other films' issues frustrating. It's probably my sixth or seventh favourite Trek film out of 13. <laughs> Commander- well, you think he'd really appreciate the voice you gave him there. Like- <laughs> yeah. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no one has gone before. Matt is our novice trekkie. Um, before we started this journey, he'd never seen any Star Trek apart from the uh, JJ verse, pretty much. Um, so, you've not ever seen an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, have you? No, I've only ever flipped past it on Channel 4. And really not like seen any of the films or anything no. like that. And, you know, I'm sure most Trekkies will be sitting at home aghast. Thinking, how is this possible? Like, how can I think I can I can only be reminded of extras where uh, like uh, Ricky Gervais claims he's never seen it. It's like you've never seen Star Trek the Mission. <laughs> You're <laughs> yeah. a single man. Uh, <laughs> it's like, you know, Star Trek. I'm sure they won't believe us. They're gonna think you're some kind of Carl Pilkerton created character for this podcast. <laughs> so to, to prove it, we've okay. decided to test your metal. With a Star Trek Next Generation quiz. We have, me and Liam have created a couple of questions. Bring it, here. bring it. Um, oh, now, awesome. we're going to be on the sidelines, aren't we, Todd? That you're going to go to us if, if, uh, if Matt, Matt isn't able yeah. to answer. You'll come and get the right answer. Not that I it's think we'll do that much for these gentlemen, actually. Okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> but first is, is Matt. Okay, so the first question is, can you name the crew of the Enterprise D? D? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to assume that's the one we're talking about. Okay, so Picard, I know. Right. Then there's Visor Man, you can't see. Do you have a name for this Visor Man? <laughs> no, he's oh, just Visor Man. Lieutenant <laughs> Visor Man. Uh, is Worf, he, is he I heard that name. <laughs> ah, Visor Man. I've been uh, hearing, yeah, I've been hearing Worf the Worf today. Yeah. Okay. Um, the pale skinned robot guy. Yeah. Uh, Come on. He knows visually <laughs> what he's on about. I, no, I honestly don't know. That's okay. half a point. Um, Come on. Spinner, that's it, Brent Spinner. Spiner. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Picard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So we've got Picard, Worf. That's it. Yeah. That's okay. not bad. Come oh, on. Right. Give me okay. a call. You could have
And so that's a cheat. That's a new role. There was no counselor. Lute- yeah, Lieutenant Commander Worf. Yeah, because clearly, like Kirk would never actually get any work done. He'd be in therapy the whole way. So you could get bonus points for Tasha Yar, Wesley, Guinan, and Pulaski. You didn't, you didn't, pass, didn't pass over to us, um, Chief oh. O'Brien. We'll, we'll, we'll forget that. We'll just comment on yeah, just uh, on Bruff's rubbish. Okay, go on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, who is the marvellous nemesis who appears in the pilot, several episodes, and oh. finale? Clue. Um, oh. Their name is often in the title of the episode. Uh, Khan's brother, Keen. <laughs> Keen. Keen and then Khan. I'm going to pass this to Liam and Tom. Q. Oh, Q. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. Great. Okay, name three Q. new villains of The Next Generation. Villains? Okay, well, I know there's, there's the Borg, right? Yeah. Oh, okay, well done. Okay. Yeah. They, they've, they've saturated the culture enough. Um, oh, that, that's about it. I, okay. I, I just got Klingon on okay. the road. Uh, Kardashians, correct? Kardashians, oh, yeah. Ferengi, <laughs> yeah. Ferengi, yeah. I think that, and there's one more, but I think it's a bit of a weird one. I said Law, which is uh, Data's uh, evil okay. brother. Oh, oh, I suppose been, it's multiple. Um, yeah, I couldn't think of any other. Can you think of any other villain species that you'd come along? Because you've got Romans and Klingons are already in it. Don't yeah. Um, sure. So, how many years did the show run for? I'm um, kind of good with years. I'm going to say seven. Correct. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey. Seven seasons, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, a big well, they're, all, they're all seven seasons after it, TNG, Deep Space on and Voyager, all seven seasons. Yeah, it's a lot of track. So the next question, Matt, is how long after the original series is the next generation set? And you could be within 10 years. Um, 20? Correct. Pass it to the... Oh, I can't think 100. No. No, 80. Yeah, I'll go with AE because it's. I think it's like the in generations it'll say 78 years later. Yeah, isn't Scotty McCoy like 120 yeah. years old yeah. when he turns up or something? Because that's where Scotty's in one of it. Was he that is, the, yeah. Is Scotty in one? Yeah, yeah. Was that a time travel thing though? It was. He was stuck in a transport. Ah, uh, of course. And he they, they yeah. rematerialized him and he's like. Oh, so it isn't just. Yeah. Bones and. Um, and Spock. Yeah. Scotty as well. Anyone else turn up in TNG? Not that I think of. Yeah. No. Takai appears in uh, Voyager. Right. Captain Sulu, yeah. Uh, so what is... Yeah, he must have been old in Voyager, though, man. Yeah, name two of Picard's catchphrases. Uh, make it so. Yeah. All right. And uh, let's sit down in this chair. <laughs> <laughs> let's all have a sit down in the chair. <laughs> Correct. Burr. Number one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, I was, I was going to say... So just answer my other question which is what does Picard call Riker? <laughs> uh, Wesley. That was yeah. what I genuinely guessed. Uh, Tom? Uh, so, and... Oh, it's just so much shit. Uh, Mr. Data. It always goes like that. It's like Mr. Data. <laughs> same as well. yeah. yeah. It's like Mr. Data. Yeah. Uh, and I, I should have written that because I've forgotten it. <laughs> shut up, Wesley. Yeah, shut Wesley. up. Wesley. Was it Engage? Engage. Engage, yeah. That's the most simple one. I think that's like the name of the official Star Trek podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they don't need any more advertising. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what is the ball catchphrase? Oh, uh, oh resistance is futile. Great. Yeah. Oh, isn't it you will be assimilated? Oh, no. Uh, resistance yeah, futile, um, they do say that as well. But, like, the, you know, resistance futile is the. That's the classic. Okay. Off a point. Tag Tagline for another film. Okay, f- final question, Matt. Mm-hmm. How many lights are there? How many lights? How many lights are there? Uh, on what? The Enterprise. How many lights are there? Uh, this is a trick question. Six. <laughs> Wrong. There are four lights! 
And anybody who's seen that show, uh, the two part the Kardashians will get that. <laughs> <laughs> See, there's some Trek blood running through this show. <laughs> what is that about? Oh, it's the, it's the one with Carl's getting tortured, and there's like... Uh, Trek part with the Kardashian! The Kardashian yeah. torturer! Yeah, uh, I said Kardashians just there as the well. The Kardashians, well, that is torture. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be able to answer this, Paul, because you're a big fan of the Next Generation TV show. Mm. Why is it that their costumes are still on in the bridge? Yeah, I assume on. that's part of the holodeck. They don't yeah. go on to get onto the holodeck and go, right, first of all, but get those naval <laughs> costumes out we've got hanging about. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. We made sure we brought them on the mission because <laughs> they're very important. And they've got the whole, Surely that's part of the Do we have any torpedoes? No. Sure, it's not like <laughs> no like it's plenty of times in the show that actually, uh, they, they are walking to the holodeck to go into it dressed as they will be. But it needs <laughs> that's to a weird it. thing. If you have a holodeck, make everything just like we've on. just been down to the costume shop, number one. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we've got our tails down there, fitting me. Yeah. Well, you can often like disable, which is ridiculous, that it has like safety features so you can disable the safety on the holodeck so bullets will kill you and things like that <laughs> why even have that option like, just disable it uh, but we'll see that in, a, in the next film uh, but I thought, yeah I feel like you know somebody could disable the cloak number one it's just somebody if he's naked waiting for like the next uh, costume change <laughs> <laughs> Malcolm McDowell's character Apart from the fact that McDowell's playing him, feels like a small screen villain to me. Yeah. He doesn't feel villain like a big enough threat, villain of the week, is a big enough threat to bring two generations together. Yeah, that's right. Because he's just one man. I feel like yeah. he doesn't have a he doesn't have, have a follower. It's like I will promise you this. Yeah. You know, it does feel like he's he could be taken out quite easily. Oh, well, um, obviously not, because yeah. he batters the fuck out of a curd. I mean, that's that's the fact that it's the problem for me that. Okay, so our new captain, the guy's going to take us on new adventures, literally needs to go back in fucking time to get Captain Kirk to help him just to beat up this normal bloke. This I can't normal, do it without you. This normal old coke addict-ridden geezer. He can't even beat him on his own. Yeah, um, well, yeah. I, I, I could see. And he fails once. The entire crew are, are killed. Uh, not a good start. Uh, Captain, look, I need your help. I want you to leave the Nexus with me. We have to go back to our planet, Viridian 3. We have to stop a man called Soren from destroying a star. Millions of lives are at stake. You say history considers me dead. Who am I to argue with history? You're a Starfleet officer. You have a duty. I don't need to be lectured by you. I was out saving the galaxy when your grandfather was in diapers. Besides which, I think the galaxy owes me one. So, Kirk coming back at that point kind of stops things from coming to anodyne or anything like that. Kind of, like, he adds a bit of, kind of, you know, a bit of rough panache to the whole Absolutely. thing. Absolutely, you know, his, his lines about, you know, out saving the galaxy when your grandfather was in diapers. You yes, know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I consider the galaxy owes me one uh, as well. <laughs> and, uh, you know, with my car, it's like, what? Do say that! <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, well, no, what he really means is, look, I, there's this old bloke who beat me up. <laughs> I, can't, I can't take him on my own. I know you're older than me, <laughs> and presume <laughs> 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 Fight 
me as well. I know, this is something about, like, this is the trouble with Star Trek sometimes. It's just, uh, it's really hard to kind of sell it to somebody, you know, if I was 10 years old, I'd be like, oh, watch Generations. Like, the finale is three middle-aged men <laughs> clambering over rocks, really oddly choreographed fights, and uh, it just, you'd like, yeah, this is great, right? No, it's not. And there's that moment that's like 10 seconds long of Kirk and Soren, like, kind of fighting. Yeah. All they're doing is just ducking around. <laughs> yeah. He's, like, looking for him, like, uh, and I love that Picard gets battered again. Yeah. It's not even like I thought. Right, okay, this is the this is the Rocky Free. He's yeah. coming back I'll to fight Picard. Yeah, but no, he gets battered again. He really does need Kurt to back him up because McDowell just takes him out instantly. Yeah. <laughs> Don't oh, try fight again. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. uh, yeah, I find it quite. It, I get the same sense I was thinking saying when we were watching this as uh, uh, as a view to a kill with Roger Moore. You know, you you actually see, feel worried for him in any of the action sequences. You're like, oh god, he's going to do his hip or something like that. Oh, like, yeah. you know, and you've got Kirk sweating, uh, you know, uh, in this obviously very hot location. I think it's called yeah. the Valley of Fire. It's a very remote location, a color of the rock and stuff. Like, it's very dramatic, very cinematic. Uh, but yeah, clearly not an easy place to shoot. And you've got this poor old pensioner scramble over rocks. I've done a lot of fights, but I've never been uh, on a rock like this. I mean, uh, this is uh, scaling the heights of fights. Fatigue is an enemy. Total denial is the only way out. You just deny that you're tired. I'm not tired. We, we've had seven years of a very popular TV show creating this big science fiction, and for our first film, the villain is Malcolm McDowell. It cost us billions to put this on screen. Yeah, but it's great to see just the. Um, I mean, with the uh, Borg, like I mean, people might have felt justifiably let down that they weren't the villain out of the gate. Yeah. Uh, and mm. I think William Shatner was very upset because he wrote a sequel to Generations uh, in book Whoa. form. Wow. It's uh, called Star Trek. The return where the Borg reconstitute Kirk and um, so it's and this is a real book this is a real Publish. book yeah nice. yeah it's like it's set right after generation so essentially a prequel to this which brings back Kirk for the dead with of the Borg and his bros <laughs> and he's just like you know why did I not get the Borg <laughs> I won't kick their ass. <laughs> so, like, Kirk is back from the dead as a board. As a brought him straight back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, it's, it's actually one of a series. Like, I've had enough of these. Like, Kirk, Kirk kicking the Borg's ass across the. Well, Shat, what Shat has written an entire think, series of. He, he goes around hearing, I you will be ass immolated. Do you think that's down to Shatner? as to why Picard is such a pussy boy no, in no. Generations. Like, is in Shatner no, I, when... I think it's more... I have got to be the hero. Picard is uh, a nothing. <laughs> He's a, a pathetic loser boy who needs Captain Kirk to save him. Do you think that's what happened? No, I don't. <laughs> no, I, I, think, I love I think it. What happened. Maybe, maybe I think it's just like the, the lack of, like, um, you know, this is the... When you watch the behind the scenes of Generations, all of them are so happy just to be able to have a trailer or you know, somewhere to. Yeah, watch. that's true, because they got treated like shit on yeah, the original on the show. show. Yeah. yeah, and it's like it was so exciting that they had like time between setups. Uh, I don't think they had the balls to ask for <laughs> actual like changes to their characters. I think it was like they were all a bit kind of closeted on that. was for you to actually give us your thoughts 
on the first eight Star Trek films to bring everyone who's listening up to date. So if this is your first episode of Spotlight, we'll bring you back up to date right now. And it's, we're going to give Ross 30 timed seconds to discuss each Star Trek film up to this point, starting with Star Trek The Motion Picture, and we'll discover if there is a comparison. <laughs> right, three, two, one, Star Trek The Motion Picture. Well, there is no comparison, of course, but I watched it and I... not a lot happened, really. I, it held my intrigue. I was intrigued to see what was going to happen. And officially, I watched the podcast before watching a film on this one to get me into it. So I already kind of knew what it was, but I was fascinated. There was um, a bald woman who went missing and uh, a handsome man, a handsome man who gave his life for some reason. Oh, I haven't given my score yet. Do it now. Let me give my score. Four out of ten. Um, oh, hold on. Wrath of Khan, right? Wrath of Khan overrated. I thought it was all right. Um, even the bit where he goes, Khan! <laughs> isn't as dramatic as everyone makes it out to be. Um, it was good. The bit with Chekhov having the stuff inserted into him, into his ear, was pretty horrific. It was ear. It was a bit of body horror. <laughs> and uh, enjoyable. Um, score is 6.5 out of 10. Star Trek 3, The Search of Spark. Yeah, uh, I actually can't remember what happened. Um, that was correct. <laughs> um, yeah, not a lot happened. Oh yeah, there was like baby weird clone Spock, wasn't there? And there was a planet, and I didn't, yeah, it just seemed like a whole film made to bring back Spock after they mistakenly killed him off. Which is something, I don't even know why he had to give, give his own life in the end of the second one as well. Like, what was that about? But, yeah, um, oh god, um, 5.5 out of 10. Star Trek 4, The Voyage Home. The Voyage Home, I really enjoyed. I didn't expect to like The Voyage Home. I thought, why are they just saving well? This is going to be some eco bullshit. But actually, it was... <laughs> it's ever like a... Vote <laughs> <laughs> <Folk> green. <laughs> yeah. But um, I just thought it was going to be like, yeah, some saving well propaganda. But actually, I really, in, I really <laughs> enjoyed it. No, I really enjoyed it. And it was, it was fun. It was, yeah, I actually was really involved in the story. And yeah, who needs space? Yeah. You've got, you got a great crew. Yes. Yeah, where is it? Oh, 8 out of 10. Oh, very good. Yeah. Star Trek 5, The Final Frontier. What a fucking waste of time. <laughs> Final Frontier, I was amazed that any of you gave it a good score. It was awful. Um, the Final Frontier it was the only Star Trek film in this list I fell asleep during. <laughs> I woke up and they were talking to a giant head. So I had to, I had to rewind and watch that again because I had no idea what was going on. Did it offend you as a formerly religious man? It just offended me because it was shit. Um, score. Two out of ten. <laughs> generous, generous two. Star Trek six, The Undiscovered Country. The Undiscovered Country was the, one of the films that really actually um, shocked me. Uh, not shocking as a controversial way, it shocked me because it was really good. Um, I really enjoyed Undiscovered Country. It felt like a proper, complete movie with proper good plot points, a political um, insight, and mm. I really enjoyed the special effects, um, a real big step up, and it felt grand and great. Mm. I really loved it. 8.5 out of 10. Oh, Star Trek Generations. Yep, the first one I saw in the cinema, a bit of nostalgia factor for Generations. Um, I remember the spaceship splitting in half and crashing and them riding horses. That's all I remembered. So it was kind of refreshing to see it again. And in watching it again, I enjoyed the connection between Kirk and Picard, seeing Picard get beaten up multiple times and <laughs> seeing him struggle to get through a pile of rocks was fun. And, um, yeah, I actually enjoy Generations, even though I know in my heart it's not great. 
Um, I gave it 6 out of 10. Okay, Star Trek First Contact. Now before doing this pod, I'd always regard First Contact as my favourite Star Trek film out of the Excellent. two I've seen. So, <laughs> it's, um, so I really liked it. And watching it again, I still really like it. Uh, once again, the production value is upped massively. I love the beginning when Worf is going to give his own life. Like, yeah, I, true, I absolutely yeah. love Worf, he's a legend. And um, <laughs> just as a whole movie, the Borg are the greatest enemies, and the film has so many great moments, and my friend even made a great homage to the movie. Which is cool. 8.6 out of 10. Oh, fantastic. That's, uh, that is all eight. So now we arrive at Star Trek Insurrection. And along the way in this film, the principal crew of Star Trek have a little more fun than we've seen them having in the past, and there's some romance, uh, which give it, I think, quite a unique feeling to this film. I think it is a sign of the times that it was not felt necessary to inject sexuality or romantic relationships into so many episodes, that, that there were other elements of character relationships that were just as important. So we tried to keep a proper balance in that. But in the case of this movie, uh, Rick Berman and Michael Piller and myself thought that it was appropriate now perhaps to um, to have a, a little more intense relationship with a woman, to see the captain actually falling for someone. I think the first moment you realise, oh, this is going to be a far lighter film than First Contact is the bit where they're doing the diplomatic thing and uh, one of the aliens puts that thing on Picard's head. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you see, and they're having it, a dance later on. Yeah, and straight away, it feels like it's so, so odd because that flip of tone, it it's like if you released The Dark Knight and then instead of Dark Knight Rises, you've got Batman and Robin straight <laughs> afterwards. That's what it feels like. Yeah. yeah. Um, I quite like the whole like weird head thing that you, that you wore because you, we well, say you oh, it's stupid. Some no, it's, <laughs> we'd say like oh it's stupid and comical, but if that's just what they do in their in their people, why should it be funny? Do not mock yeah. their society. Exactly. <laughs> it's, more, exactly. it's more about yeah, it's more yeah. of that whole like playing host to another species coming. Yeah, in. they did it with the Klingons in yeah. six, didn't they? What what I found quite funny though was the fact that like no one he like, didn't seem to care, and then they're like oh they only got warp drive a year ago, and they're like oh see, we just saw about them discovering warp drive. And first contact yeah. in the last episode episode film yeah. and now in this, <laughs> and in this one they're just like scoffing at them like oh they only got it a year yeah. ago oh they could be our allies I think and then later on when they're on the planet um, he's like oh, I don't care who you are and she's like oh we have warp drive he's like you have warp drive and next thing you know he's just like appears to oh, be shagging her like, I don't know what's I going on and scene where she talks about being the first bald man, yeah, she's seen as if it's the sexiest thing. I like older women. <laughs> yeah, I actually wrote down Picard, you silver tongued devil. <laughs> I, I don't know if I missed that. What's, bald, what's the whole thing about her like stopping time? Yeah, well, there was oh, like, like, that. Like, they can just live in the moment and I think it, all, all this whole thing is that it doesn't really Was that metaphorical? Or no, 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 no. Like, they they basically, well this is how they show it cinematically mm. is they took high speed cameras out there and then the kiss scene which was sh shot but cut that Patrick was very unhappy that it got removed which is like I don't know if it's like, oh, audience is so turned off at a middle-aged man enjoying his sexuality. <laughs> um, but I don't know. It's um, it's a, you can see on the deleted scene. It's a very high-speed like shot, which means it's very slow motion. Um, kiss of him and age, and it's the slowing of time down once again. You know that was cut, and again, so that's kind of a combination of relationship. You know, at the end, he's like, I've got 
a whole year off. He's got a gap year yeah. coming up, <laughs> and he's like, I will certainly be coming back. <laughs> like, um, but well, I didn't get. Yeah, he turns up. He talks to her for a bit. She can't swim, which is ridiculous. She, they try and they try and like. <laughs> They're trying to resolve because I was th- when she when she started drowning, she's like, I can't swim. I was like, that's ridiculous. Like, how old are you? <laughs> you, you live, you, you live right by a lake. You've got nothing better to do. You might as well learn how to and swim. And then she, then later on, they just sort of tried to explain it away with her just saying like, oh, I never got around to it. Like, what? <laughs> the scene actually originally went on to include super slow motion of Picard and Anish kissing. Well, we brought all the equipment out there and and shot the, all these takes of them uh, kissing and blinking their eyes and all of this in, in super slow motion. And although it read well on paper, it just, just didn't work when we cut it together. So uh, we, we just dropped that part of it. What do we think about the relationship between Data and the child? My last memory is going into the hills following some children. <laughs> well, it's funny. My um, one of my housemates came back when I was watching it, and it was just—it was just it's like funny watching porn. It was embarrassing. It was just she sat. Robot's child. She, she sat down and said, "Right, catch me up." And I was like, no, "I'm not going to try." But it was literally the scene when he pops out of the hay bale at the oh, end, yeah, and yeah. You're, you're having fun. And I yeah. just let that play about saying a thing. And to her eyes, it was just like. Right, come on, crew, we have to go. And then, like, this robot comes out of a <laughs> with a boy who And joined Bino. And I was like, they're having, they're just playing, they're having fun. He's uh-huh. teaching him how to do it. <laughs> oh, he's teaching you how to do it. Fully <laughs> 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 <Probably> functional. <laughs> he knows many techniques. Well, I mean, <laughs> we, we, were, we, were, we, were, we were discussing that really that kid is about 70 years old, so it's not Peter Finney, it's fine. <laughs> he's probably older than Dave. He says, like, I'm seven or something. He's 12, he says, like, he's actually 12. 12. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's legal then. <laughs> In the fourth quarter. <laughs> the Romulans had somehow gained possession of your DNA, and I had been created. And when I was ready, they were going to replace you with me. But a Romulan agent, the heart of Starfleet. It was a bold plan. What happened? As happens frequently here on Romulus. A new government came to power. They decided to abandon the plan. They were afraid that I might be discovered, that it would lead to war. Not quite the face you remember. Not quite. A lifetime of violence will do that. They broke my nose, my jaw, but so much is the same. The eyes. Surely you recognize the eyes. Yeah, like, I didn't guess that he was the clone. Like, you'd think that'd be an obvious thing, because, like, oh, another bold guy, but I never for once thought, oh, yeah, that's a young yeah, Patrick Because you know, when there's that bit where Picard gets that old photo of himself out, for oh, a minute there... And it's For a don't minute there, I thought... Yeah, that. for a minute I thought, oh, he's somehow got a photo of Tom Hardy. Oh, wait, no, that is just him. But, but this is the thing that doesn't make any sense, is that it all works against itself, because the filmmakers clearly know that Tom Hardy looks nothing like Patrick Stewart whatsoever. So they actually have that conversation where he says, oh, my face looks different, but they broke my nose and mm-hmm. they broke my jaw to try and go like, oh, that's why I don't look anything like you, Picard, despite being a clone. But then when he pulls out the photo of his younger self, 
That is playing <laughs> by Tom Hardy. So I'm just like, but wait a minute, he does just look like Tom Hardy. So you are trying to say that's it. This doesn't make any sense. And that photo as well, I mean, in Next Gen, we've seen Picard as a cadet. With hair. Yeah, with hair. Even Blind. in the Next Generation, yeah. we've seen Patrick Stewart wearing in the crown that uniform as well. Was yeah. it in that episode? Was it called Tapestry? Yeah, that's true. Next but Generation, he has still got we, a bit of hair, hasn't yeah. he? They've just got this, you know. And basically, it's you know because they think the audience is stupid. You know, even though <laughs> yeah. Doctor Crusher and Picard are actually discussing the photo and saying, "This is younger me. Look, it's you know laying it all out." But mm. basically, because he's the bold captain, we're not going to understand that. Yeah. It's basically like if they made a film about Winston Churchill and needed a five-year-old Churchill, they would have to give this five-year-old a cigar and a bottle of Because the audience won't know who it is. Yeah. in the way it's done in the film. Yeah, and he yeah. promised it at the start. He said, you know, I'll, I'll do it in three kind of thing. It's the whole challenge of getting your own See, shit. See, I kind of feel thing. like this, <laughs> the cynic in me is like, Star Trek is basically the story of the inexplicable what rise of the mediocre white man. <laughs> like, because I'm just, I think he's, <laughs> you want to make this guy captain? Do, not... do you think they made the right decision with Spock first? You're yeah, like, I do. The guy. <laughs> I do feel like how you know, Spock has actually turned up with his CVs at the end. <laughs> so I can provide some references. It's like, that's fine, you can be my number one. It's like, like, oh, thank you. I've known you a week, it's fine. <laughs> I just they think like... that he does ride on the coattails of a lot more talented people and smarter people around him like uh, more skilled people around him and I thought and I, it occurred to me <laughs> like that actually the the main people around him if you consider that the cadet school wherever he is in San Francisco so he's American and the, the cadet school is in America and all the people around him are like either immigrants, so you've got like Chekhov and like oh, Scott Sulu. and 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 Sulu yeah. and and or, or they're people of colour or they're women or they're aliens, or they're aliens. Or they're and it's like and he's this mediocre white man is being propped up by all these other people. <laughs> I had a famous dad, don't you know? Yeah, and, and a combination of that and nepotism, and it's just like what I lack in skill, I make up with charisma. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this jeweler. He's not, he's not I think he's a sex pest. This townie isn't bothering you, right? Oh, beyond belief. But it's nothing I can't handle. You could handle me. That's an invitation. Because I thought I would uh, subject this film to a few uh, women representation tests. Oh. So, um... It does. There's wait, can a, you wait? Can you explain what these tests are? Okay, uh, so there's a few. So um, one of my favourites is the Furiosa test, which is um, if men's rights activists don't boycott your film, <laughs> then you have failed the Furiosa. <laughs> test. So, so Furiosa, of course, is Charlie's Ferron's character for Yes, yeah. So unfortunately, this film does not pass the Furiosa test, but you can't have everything. It does. It does inspire the ire of old school Trekkies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, not yeah, Not quite the same thing. <laughs> So the other test is the sexy lamp test. Okay. Which uh, goes something like this. So if you 
sure if in your film, if you can take out the female character and replace her with a sexy lamp, <laughs> then you're a fucking hack, basically. <laughs> and I think it passes a sexy lamp test. Ooh. I think Yahura, yeah. it's because of her skill and her knowledge at, and she's good at her job that she discovers that communication yeah. that leads to the clue to them suspecting that they're about to warp into a trap so well she seems like the most professional person on the ship yeah like, no yeah like, she is and people are you know in awe of her talent yes and, and like Spock you know who probably isn't easily impressed no you know it's just like you would be very white you know white <laughs> she is unmatched though I would like to point out something that isn't really it's kind of said and you don't She's his student. They're in a relationship, and he's the teacher, and she's the student. And I was like, is that not a bit, you know, inappropriate? I was also slightly confused because so is Spock not a cadet? No, no. They say he's been there for like yeah. Because I was about to say it's like so that 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 kind of tunnel is like it weirded me out that they weren't quite all on the same level because then it made it even weirder that kind of Kirk ended up superseding Spock because yeah. I was like wait a minute he's chaining him a minute exactly, ago but, exactly. Yeah, like, uh, but yeah he is abusing his position exactly yeah. <laughs> so the second test is the Makamori test which is in your film one woman uh, who gets her own narrative that is not supporting a man's story inspired by Pacific uh, Rim yeah. yeah so um I do think that it fails this test because I think Yahura, though I think she is a good character, mm. her character is strictly used mm. to prop up and Kirk and Spock stories. Well, the whole film is the Kirk and Spock it story. It is, to yeah. The so that a lot of old school fans complain that Bones, um, McCoy, Carl Urban's character, doesn't kind get of side a nice sideline yeah. where really they are usually a trio. Yeah, so uh, it's, it's, it's one of those things so where. So it's also failed the Bones test. It has yeah. failed the Bones test, yeah. <laughs> But it technically oh, oh. just passes the Bechdel test. Oh, okay. That's the, that's the biggie. Because, yeah, it's so the Bechdel test, if no one knows, yeah, is, yeah. So you have two named women who talk to each other about something other than a man. So in that scene, she is talking to, I believe she calls her Gayla, the green alien woman. Right. So they are both named and she briefly talks to her about the communication she has heard. But I would like to go on to say that that conversation very quickly talks uh, goes on to talk about the man under the bed and at the end of it they're both in their underwear. Well, as as luckily they're both getting their kill off at the same time so everybody's a winner! So <laughs> it is slightly undercut in my opinion. Hey, hey, how are you? Good. Strangest thing. I was in the long range sensor lab. Yeah, I, I thought all night. I was tracking solar systems and I picked up an emergency transmission. Really? Yeah. From a Klingon prison planet. No. Yeah. A Klingon armada was destroyed. 47 ships. So you're not going back to the lab tonight? Kayla, who is he? Who's who? The mouth breather hiding under your bed. You can hear me breathing? You. Big day tomorrow. You're gonna fail. The premiere for this film took place in a very interesting way. It was at this, uh, yeah, a screening of Wrath of Khan, a new digital print of it. Packed full of like Trek fans, I mean, through and through, love Trek 2. 
and uh, and they basically had to simulate uh, the film breaking on the on the digital print to make it look like the film broke after like five minutes, and then you know the lights come up, people are just annoyed. It's like we'll get it back in a moment, but then Alan walks to the st- onto the stage as Leonard Nimoy carrying some cans, film cans, and he just says, you know, I'm sorry about the objective, but you know I do have the new Star Trek film with me right here. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, and, well, he's wearing a baseball cap, and it's like, and he takes it off to reveal it's Leonard it's Nimoy. How go wild, and then they put it on, and the, you know everybody loves it. But there was some talk back afterwards, and it's always one to say, "Boys, goes, oh, I just wanted to watch Wrath of Khan, and I was it was taken from me." <laughs> Apparently, what he actually said was, uh, "Wouldn't you rather see the new movie?" To the fact, and I could not imagine no. Buzzy, like, "No, not that travesty." <laughs> Quickly, has been cancelled. <laughs> Perhaps. On to scores, or are there any final points? My, my last thing I was going to say was I really like the last moment with old Spock where he turns and like whispers wistfully like thrusters on full oh, right before yeah. they go off because he's finally saying he's remembering he's saying goodbye to journey and they're going off and on it's a really nice ending but, I mean I do think it is lovely him doing the captain's log kind yeah. of speech yeah, it's yeah. really nice although you can bet when Shatner saw that he must <laughs> have like, so ah! he was like the captain I and the captain <laughs> he must have been so annoyed well, much like the, well, they showed Shatner on a talk show and he, and he said oh have you seen the trailer well, we've got it right here to show you and it just it's something very weird about watching Shatner watch a trailer which is not really about him or talking <laughs> him and just uh, his open mouth like red faced no no because he's just he's just you know old like yeah <laughs> he's just drooling <laughs> What's the current situation with you and the new film? I have no situation. None? It's like being asked about what's the situation with you and, and the Queen of England. England. I, I've never met her. You never met her? I never met her. So I, I know did, nothing. Did they uh, offer you a role? No, no. I, it's peculiar and I'm sad about it. Why not think. though? Why? One of the things I heard was, well, how do we get him back to life when they were, well. Uh, Come on. I, I, I wrote a book, the first book on the Star Trek series that I wrote. Right. Uh, was about when they killed the the character I played. When the character I played was killed, as a joke, uh, because I had been I knew of course that this was the scene I was going to play. When the scene was over, I went to the producer with an outline of a book mm-hmm. uh, and and or a screenplay, okay. which rationalized the coming back to life of Captain Kirk. How do you feel about Leonard Nimoy being in it? Leonard Nimoy is maybe my dearest friend, so I'm so I'm so happy for him. Um, but he in... wouldn't tell me what the plot was. What? He, he, when I said, "What is the story?" Yeah. So I can't tell you. And I said, "I'm going to waterboard you." So you were sad, and then you you threatened him. That's right. <laughs> is that right? Yes, he's a good friend. I can threaten him. You were sad. See, you're yeah. wiping a tear from your eye because you're yeah, just, you're lamenting, I my dear friend. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So not only have you not seen the film, you don't even know the plot. I have no idea. Here's a photo of uh, Chris Pine. Yes. As a Captain Kirk. Yes. So do you feel like you're looking in the mirror? Mm. No, he's good looking. <laughs> and he's young. Yeah, completely. Uh, so I do think it's a, a fantastically made uh, film pretty much on every level. I do think it's a fantastic reboot. However... My opinion of it has, I mean, I literally ever so slightly chopped because before in my head, this was an absolute rock solid five star. Um, you know, I really, it was my favorite Czech film. 
and you know I didn't think any any of the others touched it even and thought wow almost like because I certainly was no trekkie I was like this is my Star Trek now which is why um you know I've been quite disappointed with the following Trek films but you know as always with this and this this is a perfect example of this we will reevaluate as we go on um with our further episodes because watching this again straight after watching the initial 10 classic Trek films it did make uh, my appreciation go down ever so slightly ever so slightly because I watched it and I I could finally see why some hardcore Trekkies much as I disagree with them in the sense of I think it's a brilliant film and stuff like that I can see why they have certain issues and things like I think Chris Pine's Kirk is kind of the perfect example because while I think Matt you made a brilliant argument about the fact that you know the the timeline split so essentially he becomes a different character because he's the one who that affects the most mm. and I do think that's a you know brilliant point but it doesn't stop the fact that he does seem like a different character I don't think he seems particularly like Shatner's Kirk and much as you wouldn't want an exact replication uh, I think he does seem actually quite far away um, from the Kirk we know and love and I really have come to love that character watching um, these films for Spotlight and because of reasons like that it just ever so slightly dropped for me I still think it's a fantastic movie but watching these movies again has given me a great appreciation for the Trek universe and its lore and I was like oh okay like you know this isn't actually my favourite Trek film anymore I actually prefer Star Trek First Contact going to be joined today by the revived Mr. Halliwell. I should explain for our listeners at home. For Witchcraft! Young, for anyone younger, uh, you may not remember this, but before the days of the IMDb... Oh, no, during the well, early I, days. Right? During, IMDb is like 20 years old Yeah, 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 yeah. But, yeah. but Halli <laughs> Halliwell's film guide is far older. This is, you know, before the internet took over and everything like that. But made this extinct. Uh, yeah. The only place... The source of all knowledge um, to get kind of all your films in one place was the Halliwell's film guide. Or the Time Out film guide. <laughs> but, the, the, uh... but the Halliwell's one was <laughs> undoubtedly the most extensive. It was absolutely encyclopedic. I mean, if you see the actual size of the last book they released, which I think was 2007, something like that. I mean, this is, you know, about 10 phone books in one. I think it started in the 70s or something like that. I remember I bought my first copy, I think, in like 96 or something, uh, to try and make a list of every film I'd ever seen, which at the time seemed like a staggering task. Yeah, it, it basically had every film ever made in there. Little tiny capsule reviews. In my head, 
I think it was all one man, Mr. Halliwell, uh, but I think at some point he died and maybe his son took over or something like that or someone else took over. And he was very, 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 very harsh towards all films. And he would, <laughs> he, would, he would rate things from no stars to four stars, so you can't get five stars. Or um, four stars for this Yeah, or for the most part. Basically, if you, if you, what I would find, if you were made after 1940, you ain't getting the full four stars. Like, um, Two stars, you know, masterpiece. So, so it's like, if you've got audio, then you're fucking fucked. Like, <laughs> so, colour, forget about it. So today, we've uh, got Mr. Halliwell out of retirement. Um, to, or from beyond the ground. Out of the very final retirement. <laughs> to death. come and tell us what he thinks of the first ten Star Trek films. Films, as the Halliwell's film guide was severely defunct by the time the J.J. <laughs> Abrams verse came about but I dread to think what he would have thought of those so occasionally we're going to cut back to Mr. Halliwell to let us know his thoughts I'm going to go back to Mr. Halliwell and ask him what I he think you thinks find me and him in complete agreement about Star Trek The Motion Picture I should make a point that all of the films uh, so far that Mr. Hayward has talked about uh, Nemesis Insurrection uh, Search Spock he gave no stars to so this is motion picture let's see what he has to say about this Mr. Halliwell take it away in the 23rd century Admiral Kirk resumes command of the Enterprise to combat an alien force. And a surprisingly boring one. Vast sets and big screen solemnity hardly make this more enjoyable than some of the TV episodes which cook more tricks and philosophical fun into one third of the length. No stars. Oh <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that no, he was not impressed right from the beginning. <laughs> Just have a look and uh, see what Miss Haywell has to say about Star Trek V The Final Frontier. Uh, do you think he'll agree with you, Paul? Do you think he'll fall down on the side of me and Matt? I think he might make me look mild by comparison. <laughs> this is pretty clear cut, I think. So, Miss uh, Haywell. Mystic moments, tamely rendered, that indicate it is long after the time when the series should have been laid to rest. So he wants to kill this franchise. <laughs> he literally wants to stab this franchise through the heart. That's his reaction. We're going to take a punt here, the but is it a zero star? It is a zero oh, okay. stars. Yeah. <laughs> we still have no stars on the I board. Hear, he's done quite a hocus pocus there. I think is that uh, you know he's pretty there with a the Ouija board, like, <laughs> like trying to kill off the franchise. <laughs> star trek first contact but did but did you live long enough to see this uh well i mean whether this well i don't know Uh, mr Halliwell, did you i give it one star one for the fans though it provides more action excitement as well as a hint of alien sex <laughs> the most I of the series. series is added by you. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, Miss Hayward, you're getting very excited about the alien sex there. Uh, you know, and I can see why. Sort of like 
quite meaningful. Oh yeah, yeah, it's cool. Let's just have it on and then we can start. I see what you mean. You've got like you're like projecting like it's drama school. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. From the diaphragm. Oh no, no, don't delete my notes. Fuck no. <laughs> Wait, recently? Okay, it's in the... No, 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 no. It's fine, oh. I've got them. Recently deleted. That's oh, that's amazing to have that set that up. Fucking hell. It's like record and go delete. Because this is like all of my... This is all of my joke notes as well. <laughs> my jokes? This is your, this is your like, uh, ledger. This is your kind of... This is my... Because I, I, my handwriting is, your, is so awful I can't read it house, back. Like, uh, yeah, oh, yeah. The 21st century. I mean, these are like... One of these, some of them I've written down like in my sleep and I've looked at them the next day and one of them just said like, Which chairs, who sits in them? <laughs> I was like, what, did, what was the premise of that? You think you can't make mistakes? But the choices you make could get yourself and everyone under your command killed. But I believe in you, Jim. Darkness is coming. This could just be the beginning. Beginning of what? All-out war. I request permission to go after him. I cannot allow you to do this. Jim, you're not actually going after this guy, are you? Let's go get this son of a bitch. My problem with that scene, I was like, who's this bitch? I know it's Benedict Cumberbatch, but like, why is he here? Well, this is the thing, because he Seems actually not turns around. Stage right. Yeah. Nolcott <laughs> turns around and says, who are you to him? And then it just zooms in on Benedict's face for oh, ages. Face. With a really dramatic score, and he doesn't answer. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's so obvious, like, well, obviously he's calm. Yeah, if it was John Harrison, he'd just go, John Harrison. Because no one gives a fuck who John Harrison is. <laughs> the only reason he'd stay quiet is if it's a name that we don't... We, we're going to know. We're going to be like, oh my God. The amount of shots of him in that coat just stood there, like... Mm, with his, with, <laughs> his, I mean, with his face. You could have taken the movie down by about 20 minutes if it was <laughs> just, just like <laughs> one shot without the zoom. <laughs> and he was like... I'm calm. I'm calm. I'm calm, baby. I'm calm. I, I did like seeing that St. Paul's is still part of the London skyline in 2022. Oh, wait. Yeah. as a cucumber, baby. <laughs> we had the beautiful Alice Eve uh, on the show yes. last night. Who does a terrific job uh, in the movie. Yeah. And I guess <clears throat> you've been taking some heat for a scene. I didn't personally yeah. see what the fuss was about. Myself, I was quite happy about the scene. It's also the last you know, golden age of misogyny, isn't it? Where you have uh, Alice Eve in her... I told you not to turn around. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no reason whatsoever. You could have cut that out. Uh, and you could have cut out every slow zoom of Benedict Cumberbatch's face, <laughs> yeah. and you could have found an extra ten minutes to do some character development for yeah. his motivation. I always yeah, thought yeah. the one reason that Azeev shot was trailer. But yeah. Yeah, the like, thing is, um, excuse me. Yeah, well, you're gonna get a bit of this. But they don't even fuck. It's nothing. There's literally nothing. It's that thing of going. It's even like in my head, I was watching. I was trying to remember because it's been a while since I've seen it. I knew it annoyed me the first time, but I was like, right, I'm trying to look for a convincing plot reason for this to be. And even if she was saying, because they get on that ship mm. and even if it was a case of they were just going right well we're going to take off this ship now without anyone knowing if she was changing into a different kind of space suit it'd be like okay fair enough but that's not what happens because it cuts afterwards mm. and Kurt's yeah, back on the bridge and Bones is with her so I'm like right no there was a break here where Kirk went, well, I'm going to go to the bridge and go get Bones, <laughs> and he'll come main... down here. Oh, so while I'm gone, you change. 
no, don't change while I'm here because like, you know, it's like, and to be fair to Kirk, he doesn't even actually come across like a massive pervert in that scene because she's a pervert. She's yeah. an exhibitionist. <laughs> she's a fucking stowaway. She's a fucking stowaway. She doesn't tell him why he's asking her to turn around. She could be about clump him over the edge. Of course he's going to turn around. Yeah, yeah. Again. What are you doing? Like, yeah. she's like, no, she's a flasher. She's like guys <laughs> yeah. the that show you your dick. And she's like, don't turn around. I, I, You're not gonna I, like it. It's porn star logic, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's, it's that it's difference, isn't it? Where Kirk's a pervy guy, but this is the film. The filmmakers being pervy, not Kirk. Yeah, yeah. But he's weird. like had loads of. I, I, before, I think Alice is... Eve just needs to get like Benicam Apache's trench coat and just go flashing people on the end of the We really took on a lot when we hired Carol. Yeah, she yeah, is yeah. weird. <laughs> She's really standing out for somebody who's trying to keep a low profile. <laughs> like, yeah. Of course, this was a big controversy at the time. Uh, I feel we've got to address it in the sense of when... Uh, kind of, And it looks like per Una's 2013 range as well. Like it's... <laughs> <laughs> That's so specific. <laughs> I, think you, I think you're exactly right in the sense that this feels like the it last it's not a space, space bra yeah. 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 I just got this on sale at M&S don't turn around yeah. still got the tag like, yeah. you can go into any M&S and see a mannequin now and you'd be like Alice Eve ah. I think you were exactly right this is kind of the last time where the big Hollywood studio movies felt they could get away with something this fucking blatant because mm. uh, JJ really got poured over the hot coals for this he, he did like, apologise for it didn't he yeah he like, apologised but a bit half hardly he went on Conan and he went on there and he started kind of talking about it and, and then did Co- Conan and, pretend well, he had like a boner no, under Conan, the or something. Conan immediately went well there's nothing wrong with it Conan's I mean, there's, not there's the just, one there's to... just absolutely nothing wrong with it I don't see the big problem he's, he's trying to apologise like Tom what don't apologise Conan's the worst though he's the one that does all those interviews where he's like do a handstand on me oh no my erection like, that's... <laughs> oh my god I've not seen this uh, I think it was Nina Dobrev the woman from the Vampire Diaries and Degrassi um, <laughs> Degrassi shout out yeah she was like she's like oh, I'm really good at yoga and then he was use, he was like being her wall to do a handstand and the whole time he was holding her legs going <laughs> <laughs> well JJ's excuse for all this was that number one there's a scene early on where Kirk has his top off not the same however not the same because he's in the dark and he's just randomly getting up he's not standing there going look at my body oh and it's a different also, kind of shot as well she's yes, like from, she's like full body like um, and also that he said oh yeah well the thing is we did actually shoot a scene with Benedict Cucumber Patch where he oh, in was the in the shower yeah. and it was really gratuitous and here it is we're going to show it now but we decided to cut that out I'm like well that's not fucking same is it they cut the other one out and, well. yeah. and they shot it on purpose for this Conan thing it was not a deleted scene like it's really minimizing the whole we did have this done after the fact like, yeah. I didn't I didn't yeah. realise that at all like, yeah, oh my god think about it I'm not sure where a car is you know um, he's part of that like whole minimising of it you yeah know? just like he's uh, there's a word that you need to see sort of <laughs> complicit complicit but yeah. that's tangentially related to that is this also the movie where they were like Sulu's gay no that's, that's the, next the next one, one. wait there's one more there's another one after this yeah Star Trek Beyond Oh, I didn't even know that. I didn't know there was a third uh, one. That's the next film, and that is the one where there is the uh, Sulu gay stuff. 
Um, but also just enough which not is to piss off China. Like, extre- oh, well, extremely like, subtle. Yeah, it's, no, no kissing. It's just a bit of no. holding hands. Well, that's no, like Beauty and the Beast. When that came out, they were like, mm. one character's gay. Who could it be? And then you're like, I still don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, is, isn't everybody in this? Is <laughs> that is a real thing at the moment because we saw Power Rangers. Yeah, recently. I was just going to mention yeah. Power Rangers. And there's meant to be a lesbian character in that. But I one. literally be in the film. Don't you were like, like which one? What's the fucking lesson? Becky G. Becky G. She just turns around at one point. I think there's just that. a couple of references where she's like, I don't think boys aren't my thing or something. Yeah, yeah. like nothing they... outward. No, because yeah. I, I remember what it was. Oh, I saw that movie and they were like, oh, what's wrong at home? And someone goes like, boyfriend troubles, and she goes no, and they go girl troubles, and she goes, and like, read into that, read into that. Yeah, so it's like everybody was like, oh, I can't wait to see Power Rangers. Maybe she'll make out with the Pink Ranger, and then. You watch the whole movie and you're like, wait, did I miss it? <laughs> what a deep and You should have just had a storming out of a kitchen meal, uh, of a family meal, being like, I'm gay, mom, okay? Yeah, <laughs> maybe in the next one, maybe. Yeah. Oh, we can only hope. Yeah. But yeah, that's become a bit of a flavor. Flavor. Yeah. Color, They're like, we'll yeah. throw you a bone. <laughs> But it's the tiniest bone. A morsel of bone. Yeah, because yeah, it's that weird thing of China won't let you make a movie over there or distribute a movie over there if you have ghosts or gay people. (laughs) Just as bad. Both as terrifying as each other. Gay ghosts would just be too much. I know. I'm throwing out my gay ghosts. (laughs) Crazy talk. Gay ghosts. (laughs) A smoke screen to conceal my true identity. My name is. Khan. Like I say, the whole Khan thing to me is just completely mishandled yeah. and blown. Well, they do like, do it again with Blofeld and Spectre, the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah, very similar. Oh, is that um, what, is that's it, like, like, I haven't yeah. seen Spectre. It's him, where he's like, like, like I'm somebody, some, what, does he have a name? The Blofeld. I mean, but his no, but is it like a twist oh, that he was Blofeld? Yeah, he like, does. He does the classic, like, I am actually Blofeld. Because what is it, like, an hour into this movie, they're like, well, John Harrison didn't exist until a year ago, who are you really? And then it's like another... Zoom yeah. for a good a minute oh, at least, face. and then he's like, "I'm Khan." I, I don't know why I'm like making him so camp. I'm Khan. <laughs> this is what he was like. Really. This is what like I. This is how I would have played it. He's so like bitter school in this. He's like pronouncing oh, he every line. Oh, like, he's just so do it all camera. I've been to Rada. Like, <laughs> it's the thing of like this is only for the audience. Kirk yeah. and Spock are just like who. Who are you, mate? Well, they literally well, have to bring up Spot again? to go, what's <laughs> yes, the deal with this guy? Like, yeah, bring up old Spot, the Barry Allen universe. Go, he would call this bloke called Carnage. He's some kind of big deal, mate. What's when going he on? announced yeah. his name, he, he, did, he left a massive pause. Yeah. So he was yeah. just like... He really, made, he really projected, <laughs> put lots of timber into it. Like, yeah. Yeah, he does a lot of that. sounds nothing his... like the Khan I knew, like, <laughs> to be honest. Is that music? It's a good choice. Hey, well played. Yes. No ship. No crew. How are we gonna get out of this one? We will find hope in the impossible. Is this where there's Beastie Boys on the soundtrack? Yeah, but that's just like no, before this before. Bit. Oh, yeah, we're gonna right. talk about that. Which is amazing. I love how divisive this is for like proper Trekkies, because for me, I fucking love it. Well, <laughs> the, the, real pro- the real proper Trekkies are the fucking Beastie Boys themselves, yeah. as we know. So, like, you know, Beastie Boys, massive fans of Star Trek. If you're mm-hmm. a fan of the Beastie Boys, you'll know that there's lots of Star Trek infused lyrics within their songs. Like a pinch on the neck from Mr. Spock. There that we go. Been in there, man. And all, all the Klingons in the fucking head. house. Like, um, <laughs> 
but this using it here as not only a callback to that to their fandom but also the to the movie. first JJ movie yeah. works really well I think I think it's a really cool moment uh, I think it's clever the way they actually weave it into the plot mm-hmm. yeah. and, and when they yeah. get loud with the whole speakers he does the scream like, and that's the best, yeah, that's the best that's, moment to do it like that that's when the whole Yorktown bass starts playing as well that's so hilarious because that bit in the song where it, everything else cuts out apart from the bass going boom 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 boom, boom, boom and then it goes yeah it's Greg Gunberg isn't it going like do we have the transmission <laughs> and when it kicks off with Kirk saying let's make some noise which is in itself a BC voice although reference. what he should have said of course is when you check he's a TV this don't mean to bring static Or you cling on to your grandma's house Grab your back street friend and get loud Blowing doors off inches Grab with the pinches And no, I didn't retire I snatch it off with the needle nose pliers Black kids will overhaul What you won't you ever seen before Riding in the... Rihanna? Oh yeah, we get Rihanna at the end Of course, um... I mean, this is really far buried down in the credits, isn't it? This is an original song written by Rihanna Sledgehammer, it's yeah. called. And it's one, it kind of a return to something that doesn't really happen anymore. It feels you like, go, you two hold me from you. Or yeah. Gotham City. Yeah, yeah. It's like the Batman Forever movie today. Yeah, exactly. Whenever I think of those written for credit songs, I always think of those two Batman yeah. movies. And I think, I, I, and think it's, I think it's a great credit song. I think it, it has that kind of like right yeah, speed yeah, yeah, like yeah. a kind of like a ballady kind of thing. Like, I don't really think it's very Star Trek, but I do like the fact that there's a returning to credit songs. I think yeah, that'd be good yeah, yeah, yeah. for the film. I, like, I can't, it's good actually. I can't actually get it out of my head. film would look like if they got everybody back from TNG and did TNG movie number five. They were going to do the Avengers Star Trek where they were going yeah. to have oh, a, course, a crossover yeah. all the TV shows. Yeah, being Deep Space Nine, Voyager, all of them together, all on one mission. I, I don't know if this is retrospectively they came up with this idea. Uh, Sounds Liam's, quite desperate, Liam's it? nodding like, almost like Rick Berman. Oh, I like, think oh it, my god, I you just left was. me in charge for five more minutes. <laughs> I would have made you million. <laughs> right, shall we move on to the next place which is number six mm-hmm. Star Trek Generations mm. with a joint score of 7.3 I'm actually quite heartened by that because I feel we do I really enjoy watching it and it's high up on my list it is um, nine <laughs> <laughs> well it's like you know I, I was going to look at my list and just see it like number five like, a roaring <laughs> success number nine <laughs> I'm just going to look at my list and say but perhaps it just shows how amazing the Star Trek films are the film at number nine you're like amazing like uh, so there you go wait what's your eight yeah, that got trashed. <laughs> All right, uh, we're gonna go on to the top five. The top I reckon five at number five is Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home. Oh, I like this. It's number thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it out. We're at number one. We're at number one. Yeah. 
And, oh, if, you, and if you haven't guessed yet... <laughs> it's a little film called it's, Star it's, Trek. It's the only film that hasn't been mentioned, which has a combined score from our points of view of 9.3. Uh, which is... A fucking high score. It so is a high score. high score. And, and that is number one. We sworn quite a lot on this episode. There is. This has got uh, E for explicit on iTunes already uh, before we've even put it out. I think, to be completely honest, putting this in top placing kind of marks us out as what we are, which is still at this point the non-tracky perspective of Star Trek that's what this podcast is you guys might identify that but I'm going to just I'm going to get with Trek you're going for full Trekky now I don't know we, we've got to the oh. end of the movies you can well, he says he's obsessed with Khan so well, I would say like I transformation's I, happening before I, our eyes I have not changed one bit his fingers are gluing together I do feel like my sort of sort of compartmentalisation compartmentalisation well Rob Khan is still is your number as, one as a as a non-Trek was overestimating it. I think I've always been very much into Star Trek, but mm-hmm. on my terms. <laughs> and that means no DS9, no Enterprise. <laughs> well, well, which we're, you know, we'll soon so change we go. in our television episodes where we will be and, taking on uh, all of so those yeah, shows. I, I'm a big fan of the original Korean movies, I'm a big fan of Next Generation show and movies, I'm a big fan of JJ Verse, and I'm, I enjoyed Voyager in part. <laughs> I haven't watched Deep Space Nine or the original series in full and I haven't watched Enterprise. Does that make me a Trekkie? I do not know. I think, I think I'm think i at least over 50% a Trekkie. Yeah, You've they got a willingness to be a Trekkie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I know enough about it to kind I'm of I'm sure there are some out there who say if you don't include DS9 you can't be. It'd be yeah, like yeah, that. If you don't include the no, whole... But, but the I average is way out of Exactly. Look, I'm putting it out there. I probably am a Trekkie. I think everything JJ does well, which he also did in Force Awakens, um, is on full display here. Oh yeah, I mean, Force Awakens and this made a great double bill of kind of rebooted star franchises. I, I, I was wrong to dismiss him, like, or kind of like worry about him, particularly after In Darkness and being the director of the first Star Wars movie. Um, the whole Star Wars very dear to my heart, and of course, it Force Awakens, I blew it out of my Blew it away. I really, really loved it. Yeah, I, I think it's it's brilliant. Uh, I am looking forward to Last Jedi as well, very much so. But all the rumours have it, Last Jedi is a bit different, which is good. I think it needs yeah, to be 100%. a standalone film. If Rian Johnson has been smart, he's forgotten about any Empire comparisons and just gone his own way. I yeah, hope that's the case. Completely, completely. Uh, I mean, you know, it should be the Mark Hamill show, like, and that's 100%. It. This guy has deserved it. He's been like 30 years in the wilderness. I don't say wilderness, but like, he's been respected about people who kind of respect kind of good voice acting and. The Joker animated yeah. Batman animated series. Yeah. Best Joker. But outside of that, people have had to discover Mark Hamill like through like his acerbic wit on Twitter. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now they get to see him acting, finally. And, and he did more of those last like five seconds of Force Awakens than so many people have. Oh yeah, he's got such Just a, a look. when you see him it's yeah. like wow. I, I, it's like he has leapt forward in his development as a Jedi Knight in all of those and we'll finally get to see him as a master this year. Oh, Tom, can why? you believe that? This is this year we see him as a Jedi Master. I am excited. Uh, I'm, I'm very, very excited. <laughs> Number one <laughs> is Star Wars: <laughs> <laughs> The Last Jedi. <laughs> Based on 
the trailer alone with an average ranking of 9.5. <laughs> <laughs>